1: episode 466 of the Barcelona Podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Nin Hilton, and unfortunately, yeah, there actually is no extra show. There's no bonus anything. For those who are with me all the time, I know sometimes that people just watch the five headlines on YouTube and they don't listen to the podcast, or obviously if you listen to the podcast here, you don't necessarily watch those five headlines. Well, I got done with the five headlines because Barcelona, of course, campeones, champions of La Liga... And I realized it was about 17 minutes, which is a bit long for those YouTube formats and more for this podcast format. So there is 17 minutes here from those five headlines in case you don't watch the YouTube videos. But they have a little thing at the end, which, of course, is a call to action that applies to all the podcast listeners as well. And don't worry, there is a actual full show about Xavi's philosophy and big picture stuff about what made Barcelona champions in the Liga throughout the whole season. That show will hopefully be out on Tuesday night. So it's about what, 36 hours or so until you actually get real feedback, in a podcast, with a conversation, with a guest. Hopefully it's a good guest as well that I know people have given me good feedback in the past before about. So yeah, here's those five headlines. Again, if you want to watch the video, it's on YouTube. But if not, just put me in your ears and I hope you can enjoy Barcelona's first La Liga since 2019. I say it in the video, I'll say it here as well. Shout out to you if you've been with me since 2019 or earlier. You know, you're the ones who, if you watch me every single time, read all the articles, you know it's been a long time since I've gotten to say, Champions of La Liga. It is a big deal. I don't take it for granted. So here you go. The five headlines. The scoreline of 4-2 is quite deceiving for what today meant for Kules. Barcelona defeat Espanyol 4-2. I'm not going to waste any time. If you're here, you know it's time to celebrate Barcelona's time as champions. I guess before that, we do have to talk about the match just for a second. So let's do it. Barcelona's 4-2 win over Espanyol. These are the five headlines. Headline one is Campeones. Yeah, I'm going to start at the end here, but that's the big deal. That's a thing that you shouldn't take for granted, that doesn't happen all the time. And I can tell you as someone who's been doing this week in and week out and day in and day out, that these titles aren't guaranteed. It may feel like it, but it's been four years since the last one. This is Barcelona's 27th in their history. Which, yes, is a big deal, but that dates back to their first Liga title in the first year of the Liga, in 1929. That was a long time ago. That was the first iteration of the competition, but it was 93 years ago. 27 in 93 years, meaning 27 of 92 championships. Not too bad. That's actually pretty good. They've won 29% of all titles in the league history. But again, waiting the last four years feels like an absolute lifetime. And there is some irony in this being Barcelona's first title since Lino Messi left, because it's the same day that Juan Laporta is, of course, answering questions about Lino Messi's return. Who would have thought? And people are certainly going to poke holes in this league title. It was luck. There was a combination of things. Of course, Barcelona's defense being, we know, having seen them in Europe, better in the Liga than they truly, truly are if they were to look in the mirror. But it doesn't matter. There were 11 1-0 wins, whether it was the youthfulness of Pedri and Gabi and Balde or the old age of Busquets and a squad that never really either felt healthy or never looked right or never just seemed like it was fully put together doesn't matter. None of that matters. I can tell you that I've done it. When you go back and you look at what was wrong with that year or this champion in this year and this champion in that year, again, it doesn't matter. All you will remember is campeones. And if Barcelona go and do it again next year, we'll remember the exact same thing. It was two years in a row if that winds up being the case. And that's all you can say about that. And I don't need to tell you if you're a Kool-Aid, it's wonderful this against Espanol, a local rival. I did have that whole history about the rivalry, so yeah, it does mean something. It matters to do it against Espanol. The Parakeets have now gone 26 derbies in a row without a win against Barcelona in the Liga. The worst winless run against any opponent in their top flight history, and the worst winless streak by any team in any regional derby in the competition. So that's the Basque Country, Andalusia, even the Madrid region. So for Barcelona to have that kind of dominance over not even little brothers, but I mean, baby brothers, I don't know what you want to call it. And they've been here since the very first league as well, 1929. There is a good chance historically, that Espanyol now going down for the sixth time, likely would bounce back up if they are indeed relegated but they get three points over Espanyol, they get zero and that means they are a step a big step closer to relegation this season well that's just the icing on the cake headline two is setting up and finishing with an ugly tone again I'm going to start at the end and go back to the beginning at the end of it all when Barcelona is celebrating on the field of course what I think is going to be very memorable in all the wrong ways is the Espanyol fans coming out of the stands and rushing the field forcing the Barcelona players to retreat back into their own locker room I mean, I think some kind of fine is definitely going to be coming down to them. I don't know if it's going to be a point deduction, especially if they're in their Saguna division. I would think that Liga wouldn't give them a point reduction at this point in this year to go against them, to relegate them fully. I can see the disciplinary action on this taking time. That means we wouldn't get a ruling until like July, August, again, which might matter for them if they're in the Segunda division, which makes it obviously harder for them to come up next year. But Justice will be coming for Espanyol in ways that those supporters probably are not going to like and certainly didn't get the job done or whatever they had planned and for barcelona it feels like yeah their celebrations were cut short and it's always going to be remembered for the day because you never know what any of those crazies are thinking still they celebrate in the locker room they will continue to celebrate and wait till you see that tour bus tomorrow I, i think in the city of barcelona there will be enough love for those wearing blagrana and to go all the way back to the beginning it wasn't just the fans at the end this game felt from the very start that win or lose it was going to be pretty ugly and it wasn't just a spaniel Kunde picked up an early yellow, that was the bad news, but the good news is, around the 18th minute or so, he very well could have got a second yellow, and boo on New Martin Brothwaite, I used to stand up for that guy sometimes, he seemed like a class act, but for him to try to get that second yellow in the 18th minute against Kunde, I mean, I feel like Barcelona going down to 10 was the only option that Espanol had to try to win that game, and I guess that was Brothwaite's idea, but Koundé, good job on him to pull out of that tackle, but it wasn't just him either. Busquets was fouled a little bit extra. Both of those incidents happening in the first five minutes. There was 39th minute yellow for Gabi for being Gabi. And to be positive about how ugly the game was, though, this is where I'll talk about De Young for just a second. He was phenomenal, again, in this contest. But this season, more than any others, I'm not to say that he is fully arrived, that he, like Araujo said in postgame, that he's the best midfielder in the world. But I will say that De Young had more, I would say, four or five star out of five star games this season, this being another one. And yeah, you can make the argument that he did it against the side that's likely going to get relegated or the games that he showed up in weren't the biggest opponents other than that one Villarreal match when Villarreal were doing well back there in the fall. But I really do think that De Jong has had more really good performances this season than ones where he's been pedestrian and gone missing like in previous years. So I know it feels like, yeah, he's been around too long, he's not going to improve. It does feel like, even though I still don't know where he fits, what it all means for next year with Busquets leaving, so everything could change. But if he can take as many of the good performances as he had this year and carry that into next season, give him some confidence for wherever Xavi needs to put him, because again, that is a silver lining of Busquets leaving. Once a guy is gone and you've got to figure out what your plan B is, that means that young I think, is going to have more of a fortified position, more of a fortified role next season than he's ever had in his blood career. Particularly this match, though, I think what de Jong really did well with was the game was physical, but it was also up and down. And yet Barcelona still had 71% of the possession, and that did allow de Jong to express himself. So it kind of checked all the boxes for what needs to happen for a good de Jong performance or an excellent de Jong performance. That's a lot of control, but still up and down, room to move. And even when it gets a bit physical, I think he's more ready for that at this point in his career. And it was just an all-around great performance from de Jong. Headline three is Barca's third golden boy. I say this tongue-in-cheek. Of course, I'm going to be talking about Alejandro Balde in a second because we have to talk about the goals. I praised Young for a while there. He and Busquets and Gabi and Pedri, I know he had that shot that went wide, but they were the backbone to building all this up. Usually is the case when Barcelona on the front foot and dominating the opponent. That means their midfield very much outclassed the opposition. That happened again today. But it wasn't them who necessarily put the ball in the back of the net. In that 3-2-5, somebody along the front five is likely going to create it and somebody on that front five is likely going to score it well that does change a bit later with de Young on an assist but we'll get there in a second for the first goal though let's talk about it it was Lewandowski's goal Balde delivers an important final ball 20 lead goals now from Lewandowski it was a Raho's diagonal ball and it was a relegation opponent so I do get to go back to praising Araujo's ever improving skills on the ball so he gives that big diagonal long ball ahead to Balde. Gabi also tucked in a bit deeper that allowed Balde to get into a 1v1 situation by pulling his man so far deeper, that being Gabi's man that Balde again had that 1v1 on the wing then he took Oscar Gil to school and there was no doubt perfect pinpoint pass to Lewandowski who got in a dangerous area put the ball in the back of the net let's jump ahead to the second goal of the game that being Balde's goal his first in the Liga and finally an assist for Pedri I think the Balde goal, his first, that's important Finally, an assist for Pedri, that's pretty incredible, we'll talk more about that on the podcast, break down some of those numbers, but Rafinha on this one actually starts the move again like he's done so many times now since he entered the starting lineup, and then he sets a pick for Pedri as the number 8 dribbles to the goal line, not much space, but both he and Balde find the space necessary for Balde to fight his way to the back post and keep his balance on the left-footed finish actually a pretty good finish from Balde, all things considered, of all the things that he had to do with that ball in the air, also timing that run for when Pedri would finally be able to get it out of his feet. Alejandro Balde has now both scored and assisted in the same game for Barcelona for the first time in all competitions for him, that's 48 games, becoming the youngest player to score and assist in a derby against Espanyol in the Liga in the 21st century, 19 years, 208 days, and oddly enough, I talked about some of the history between Barcelona and Espanyol, Balde is the only member of the first team that spent time in the Espanyol Academy. So, I don't know what that says about Balde. He certainly celebrated the goal as if he wasn't saying, thank you, Espanyol, for the time I had with you when I was younger than the age of 11 when he came to Barcelona. But anyway, for Balde, big day for him. And for Pedri, here's the stat. We'll talk more about it on the pod, as I said. It took 40 key passes for Pedri to finally record an assist. That is bunkers. I don't know if there's a way for me to look up the longest key passes streak between assists, but certainly Pedri's has got to be making some kind of record with the advanced metrics and all that. But maybe someone will help me out. You could do that in the comments below. And the title to this about Balde being Barcelona's third golden boy—it's really hard to say that that's going to happen because he is a left back. So while he will certainly be named to the short list, I don't know how short that list is going to get with him still on it. But as a left back, I can't imagine he's possibly going to win that award. But I am saying that he should be in the conversation. And right now, there's no argument. He's the best 19-year-old left back in world football. There are some others that are around the age that do have a high profile and are very good, but he is farther along than anybody else at this age. I'm not saying he's the best young left back or anything like that, but I'm saying that 19 and under, Alejandro Balde is the guy right now. And certainly, Kool-Aid's know what he needs to work on, but Kool-Aid's also know and should know what they have in this player. Headline four is the Rafinha debate. I actually wanna keep this topic just a little bit shorter because after second thought, thinking about this match, I don't think this is that big of a deal or should be really talked about after this. Rafina had a decent match against another poor side, sure, but again, I don't want to keep going through every game and every game for all of these players, for the Marcos Alonso's and Rafinas and Eric Garcia's, and say, okay, that match is completely discarded because of the opposition. That you can only play well and only be considered to a player who played well and was worth your value if you did it in Europe, if you did it against opponent xyz and if you fail to do it in those matches then it takes 10 against inferior opponents to feel like you've made up for that one mistake of a match or that one time you went missing against superior competition but as far as the Rafinha debate the reason we're actually talking about it is because on the third goal Lewandowski gets his brace but Rafinha got the assist 34% of the goals scored by Barcelona by the way this year in the Liga were scored by Lewandowski Rafinha though off to the races with a simple leading pass And I'm really going to contradict myself, and I am going to say this goal, way too easy. No offense to De Jong, who led that leading pass for Rafinha, or the cross into Lewandowski, with both Espanol defenders kind of went to the near post, Lewandowski went to the far post, timed it perfectly, smacks it home for the second goal of the game. But Espanol, they put a few numbers forward, but when they turned it over to Busquets, it was a 5v4, with Espanol having the advantage. Then that leading pass for Rafinha from De Jong made it 3v2, and again, neither center back picks up Lewandowski, an easy goal for Barcelona, and again, that third goal, I say, Espanol, boo on you, do better, and Barcelona, I'm glad you took advantage of a team that was ready to be ripped apart at that point in the game. But the Rafinha debate, as far as having a referendum, now at this point in the season, who knows if he stays or comes, I've had my opinion on what I think should happen and what I think might happen, but whether or not he should have been brought in at all for the price tag he was, it's still polarizing, because Dembele was on the sideline, injured, missed the time that Kules knew that he would miss. And the counter argument to not bringing Rafinha in, obviously, is that when Dembele was surely going to go down when he would, who possibly would have played right wing in his absence? Would it have been Ferran Torres? And would have Ferran Torres come close to the goal contributions that Rafinha had? I'm not really so sure about that in any way. And from the finance perspective, as someone who could cause about that stuff all the time, it was way too much, of course. Barcelona spent way too much for an insurance policy for Dembélé, for a backup for the right wing. But again, if you look at it, that they went out and bought Rafinha because of the notion that at some point when Dembélé goes down, Xavi wouldn't have a left winger or a right winger that he could trust for a large part of the season, which meant all of this in the last few months without Rafinha, I don't know how many of those La Liga results actually do lead to wins. I think there's a lot of drop points there. And instead of winning the league title here against Espanyol, it might have come down to the final match day. I still think, with or without Rafinha, that Barcelona possibly get over the line. But looking back at those 1-0s, sure, what if there was a it's a wonderful life situation with Rafinha and you have to go through revisionist history about what if he wasn't around and what if it was Baron Torres who started on the right wing there? What if Sergio Roberto got a bunch of starts there? Whatever you want to say. Maybe it was Petty who was pushed forward and then Kessie got a few more starts in a 4-3-3 or you get the point. They would have had to problem solve and figure it out if Rafinha wasn't around and had never been bought. But yeah, it's polarizing. Let me know in the comments if you think it made sense for Fina, or more importantly, if you thought Barcelona would have won La Liga without him. And headline five is pile On. Ter Stegen should be shouted out quite quickly here. He had a few big saves in this game. The one before halftime on Brothwaite when Barcelona had a 2.40 XG. Espanol 0.67 because of that one move. Ter Stegen again, another save in the 70th minute. Christensen letting him down. And then Barcelona were able to pile on. You felt like that Kunde goal, him getting his first goal as well, felt like that was the end. That was the victory lap. And it probably would have been helpful for everybody in the stadium, including Barcelona, including the Espanol supporters, if the referee had just blown his whistle at that point. But Espanol thought it was offside, it wasn't. young De delivered it to Kunde's head on a platter, and he wonderfully flicked it in under the keeper. Javi Poato, a midfielder, got brought in to guard the run in behind from Kunde and wasn't up to the task on it. at that moment, too, I was like, well, Espanol. They are going to have some talent, I think, that's going to be picked off in the offseason. Josuelo, Sergi Darder, Cesar Montes, Nico Melamed, Javier Prado, not much else. But I think you might see at least that five some be playing somewhere else around the Liga or the EPL or Bundesliga, wherever. One of the big leagues, I think they'll still be in the top flight for those five. I can't say much more for anybody else for Espanol if they go down. And then I don't really think we need to talk about the two consolation goals that Espanyol got, as I mentioned, one from Plato, one from Hasuelo. Didn't really matter, uh, but it was one of those things, if people want to talk about it, maybe we'll highlight it on the podcast for a second that, of course, Xavi puts in his subs, Marcus Alonso, Jordi Alba comes on, and Araujo goes off, I think more importantly, more than anything else, and the defense just completely falls apart. <laughs> As I said, two consolation goals that, at that point, the game was over. I think even Kune and Christians, you could see, they had an eye on the Cineera kits that their teammates were wearing on the sideline, and they were ready to celebrate the league title. So yeah, two goals get in past their Sagan, and a lot of people get to count those two goals and kind of disparaging whatever Barcelona's final goals conceded number winds up being. You know, I don't want to put an asterisk next to those two goals because people put an asterisk next to all the ones that weren't scored, where it's opportunistic and just bad luck for the opposition that they didn't score it. So, yeah, sure, I guess those are too a bit of an equalizer, but yeah, I'm not concerned at them at all. Because to wrap it all up, Barcelona, a reminder, are campeones. At this point, if you're watching on YouTube, I always do hint it, there's a certain guest I like to talk tactics about, he makes some pretty good videos, I'm hoping to get him on the podcast on Tuesday like I've had before, and we're going to talk about it, we're going to talk about Xavi, how he kind of changed Barcelona and turned them into the champions they are, we're going to go for a little bit of victory lap on some of the things that him and I had called a few months ago and have gotten right and vindicated certainly by this Liga title, the first one for Barcelona since 2019. And finally, shouts to you and thank you. If you've been with me since 2019 and you've been waiting this time for me to say Campiones of La Liga, well, it's been quite some time. Thank you for being with me this entire time of this journey. I've got a bunch planned, not only for the off season but for next season already. I'm getting those things together and I'm hoping that you're with me. So subscribe if you're not already, like this video, share it, and let me know where Do you want to see my content that you don't see it? Is it Reddit? Is it other places on the internet that you're not finding it? this is my little PSA at the end, especially during the summertime. I look at this kind of stuff. I evaluate this stuff. That's why it took a few months to even begin the TikTok back in January. I had taken a few months, thought about that stuff. And as you know, there's not some kind of huge the Barcelona podcast empire. There are a ton of people you know from the podcast that do help me out behind the scenes. But when it comes to the Barcelona podcast, you're looking at them. So it is a big help. Any feedback, positive feedback, I say it, let me say it again, positive feedback that people have to give or suggestions. I'm always all ears. So yeah, Leave it down in the comments below. Let's talk about it because I want to look at some things in the offseason and make this channel better than ever for the next time in Barcelona our campione is not only of Spain, but of Europe as well. And we can dream that might be in the near future, who knows? As always, until next time, Forza Barca.